Welcome to Third Republic's Women in Tech podcast. As part of the series, we'll be interviewing community leaders, experienced professionals and influential individuals around their experiences of pursuing a career in tech, as well as addressing what businesses and communities can do to encourage more women into the technology industry and informing the community by promoting awareness and creating more opportunities. We believe that most businesses understand that having a diverse workforce and leadership team that reflects its customer base will be more successful in delivering new and innovative products and solutions. And with the help of our inspirational speakers taking part in the Women in Tech podcast, we hope to play a part in making technology a more attractive and inclusive working environment for all. In this episode, we sit down with Natalie Godek, Platform Engineer at Babylon Health. I'm Natalie Godek. I am a platform engineer at Babylon Health, dealing with AWS and GCP infrastructure, all the things Terraform, all the things deployment and configuration management. Thanks for joining me today for our Women in Tech Q&A series. I guess just to kick off, could you tell us a bit about yourself and how you kind of got into a career in tech? My path into a career in tech started when I was about 14 years old and my parents asked who I wanted to be and since my mum was in tech she was actually a systems engineer I, w- I thought well she, she might help me if I go into into the same kind of industry so I decided tech and then she brought me to her workplace to her office and piled a bunch of like circuits and computer details like a tower details in front of me and said build a computer she helped me obviously and I built it and it didn't work. It wasn't, it turned out it, it wasn't my fault. It was uh, the memory card wasn't functional, but yeah, that's how it started. And then I obviously did lots of studies. I fluctuated between, oh, I want to be a graphic designer because that's tech as well, kind of. Oh, I wanted to be a security engineer or I wanted to be a network engineer. And for the longest time, I wanted to be a network engineer and I studied that for, for a long time. And then kind of very randomly, I got into DevOps. The story is I needed a project in the industry to do my master thesis and the t- deadlines for the application were kind of coming up and I started applying to just everything that was in the list of available projects systems wise because everything out there is for software developers okay. so systems is a bit more difficult to come by. And so I applied and I got an interview. It was in Switzerland, in Geneva, with a French-speaking bank. And my French was okay-ish, but not. I wasn't too comfortable. And then they were throwing all of these words during the interview, like, oh, you're going to do puppet and configuration management, and we do a bit of OpenStack. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Exciting. And I had no idea what any of that meant. But then I spoke to my best friend who had already worked in the industry and he was like, oh my God, that's so amazing. You should definitely do that. And so I did and I loved it and I I still do it. As like a platform engineer, could you, I guess you kind of touched on it a bit anyway, but could you kind of talk about the journey that you've been on from, I guess, the moment you you took that job to where you are today? I did a year and a half kind of a graduate program in Switzerland in a private bank and there there I changed teams every four months ish doing all sorts of different stuff that is related to systems and and kind of automation and configuration management and then I moved to London and started working for Morgan Stanley in their core like core infrastructure team 
as a systems engineer as well. And there it was also about on-prem infrastructure and managing, I think, 70,000 servers with, <laughs> yeah, with a configuration management tool and building automation and building new environments. There was a lot of push onto building more secure environments for more sensitive data. So we were doing that and trying to build, bring in a little bit of Docker, bring in a little bit of Kubernetes if possible. Because obviously it's a huge traditional bank and so everything is kind of established and you need to be very careful about what you bring in and how you actually introduce it into the existing infrastructure. So I was there for two years and then I thought that I needed a different challenge. I wanted to do a little bit more of open source, a little bit more of tools that are standard in the industry, because that's where I started. When I started this graduate program in Switzerland, we were using Logstash and Kibana, Grafana and Puppet, which was obviously, it was back in 2015, Puppet was pretty much the industry standard for configuration management. Yeah. So I kind of had that quite close to my heart mm -hmm. and I wanted to go back to kind of that kind of open platform, go out and pick what the industry and the whole world is working on and try to implement it and build systems with that. So I joined Babylon Health as a platform engineer. I had never worked with cloud in production. Mm -hmm. I had touched a little bit, like we all do a course there, a little lesson there, have a play, but I've never actually worked with it on a day-to-day -day basis. And in Babylon, everything is in cloud. <laughs> so that was a learning journey and like it's very interesting. So I picked up quite quickly and we were building very exciting things. So yeah. it's, it, every day is a challenge. So how did you find that, that switch then, I guess, from going straight into cloud? Did you, was it? quite a steep learning journey in terms of learning journey i'm still learning there's always always new things to learn and bits of the infrastructure that i haven't touched before so that's kind of always like that in in our job but at the end of the day if you're working with automation tools and configuration management it's just a different type of yaml file <laughs> pretty much devops <laughs> engineering is yaml engineering so there are similarities in terms of how you manage infra and how you try to have your platform consistent and have everything tested and have different environments and like you first test you never go in, produ in production etc etc the principles of working and methods of working and how you try to design your system stay the same obviously i had to i had to learn a lot about how cloud works and how everything communicates with each other it's very different yeah. and one thing that was very difficult and very different was changing the pace because when you work for a huge organization and also when you work with on-prem infrastructure things are slower than when you work in a startup with a cloud and that was like I, I kind of had gotten used to the pace of things that I had during two years at Morgan Stanley and like neither of the approaches is bad or better or worse than than the other it's just different yeah. so there I am joining the team at Babylon where everyone is absolutely brilliant and everyone is working so fast it took me I think two months to get used to the pace of of cloud of startup of to just go and do it, test it, da, 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 da. in one day it's done, let's let's go and fix it or deploy it or test it in, in the dev environment. Yeah, I guess that's like kind of no matter what job you're in, if you move from like a big corporate to a startup, there are so many differences, it's kind of like completely starting again. And so what would you um, say are some of the key skills then that are needed for 
success in, I guess, DevOps and cloud infrastructure? You need to know how to Google. <laughs> you need to, I guess, it's a very creative industry for me, yeah. being a DevOps engineer, because you're faced with problems, all sorts of problems every day. Mm -hmm. And it's your job to find the solution to that problem. And especially if you work with open source tools, you have this whole world. I mean, CNCF has this diagram, the periodic table of open source tools, and it's massive and it's getting bigger and bigger every year. Quite an interesting place to look at if you're, if you're just starting out. And you have all the sorts of the tools at your disposal and you can also modify them to your needs and, or you can write your own scripts because a lot of our job is automation. So you do need to know how to write scripts in Bash or Python, regardless of what, you, what, what kind of infrastructure you work with. But it's, it's very interesting. You, I, I would say like knowing how to Google knowing how to script, just simply automate, like you need to deploy a change, like run a command with 15,000 servers or like delete 25 buckets from AWS. Like it's all scriptable, it's just a for loop, nothing, nothing crazy, nothing like software development, but you do need to know how to script. And problem solving, creative approach to problem solving, knowing where to look, how to look, how to approach a problem from all different angles is very important. So you said, I guess you worked kind of extensively with on-prem and now you kind of specialize in cloud infrastructure. So could you kind of, I guess, talk about the, the main differences that you've noticed between the two? It's often, often a very different skill set technically mm -hmm. to work with on-prem and cloud. For instance, when I worked with on-prem, a lot of the skills that I had and practiced every day were Linux, common line, kind of Unix principles and debugging and administering Linux boxes. Now I think I haven't de debugged a Linux box in probably a year. Maybe I restarted a Jenkins box once, nice. but that's it. With cloud, you have loads of services that are available in a managed way where you just order the service to work and you don't have to think about the deepest ends of the infrastructure. That, that's the main difference. When you work with on-prem, if you, even if you want to deploy, say, Kubernetes, you will have to know every single detail about how Kubernetes infrastructure works, how it's installed, how different services interact with each other, how networking works, and even think about how will you deploy the network. So you will typically have a network team who deal with the switches and routers and all of the infra physical infrastructure of the network. And you will have to sit down with them and talk about subnets and IP ranges and which uh, kind of which router will be on top of which rack in order to provide this kind of functionality or that kind of functionality that you will want to have in Kubernetes. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're in the, in the cloud, the, the likelihood of you being able to just say, oh, there is EKS, it's a managed Kubernetes cluster, I'll just do that. And everything is set up for you, you don't have to, or like equally GCP for people that are into data analysis, Airflow is a very popular open source tool, a community developed tool for data pipelines. And it's, I think it's quite painful to manage. I've never managed it myself on-prem, but I've heard. And hence why we use Cloud Composer on Google Cloud, because it's a managed service and we just deploy it and everything is there. I guess, again, another kind of comparison, you've worked with both AWS and GCP. So I guess between those two, what are the, the main differences that you've, you've noticed? In GCP, there are a lot of things that are available to you by default. Mm -hmm. 
such as logging and monitoring, monitoring dashboards, kind of security encryption by default, everything is encrypted. You don't even have to think about it. So those, the, those were the things that we noticed that we have to think about proactively in AWS. We need to think about logging. We need to think about where to store the logs, how to build dashboards for monitoring. Have we encrypted all of our EBS volumes? In GCP, everything is encrypted by default and, all, and there are things that are just available to you by default, which is very handy. On the other hand, AWS provides you with such a huge ecosystem of tools and services that it allows you to build more perhaps custom things by combining their, the products that are available from them. And I think it's kind of a known, or maybe like they, the AWS positions themselves as like a toolkit. They provide all of these various tools to engineers who want to play with low-level stuff. Whereas GCP is more user-friendly and kind of easier, I find, to learn mm -hmm. than AWS. Which would you say you prefer? I prefer GCP. <laughs> Okay. But I mean, as as long as you work with like, GCP, has a it, to me is easier to to learn yeah. because I started learning both at the same time, as in using production and de deploy new platforms on them. But GCP is is a little bit easier to uh, to grasp to grasp and to become kind of comfortable to work with. Obviously, you've moved careers advanced from 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 on prem to now being more on cloud. So. What advice do you have for others that maybe are currently working on-prem and are looking to maybe make a career change like you did and, and move on, on cloud? Don't, if you have doubts, don't be afraid. All of the skills are transferable. Everything that you, the, like the core principles of you being an engineer are transferable into the cloud and you are still that very valuable. The proof is that I had no experience and I got hired into, into a team who worked with cloud yeah. and now I work with cloud. And if you want to learn and practice first, there are courses that are very good out there. I prefer my favorite ones are on a cloud guru. There's loads of resources and courses that are pre pre preparing you to certifications and also just you can just take them like that. And also they have a really cool thing every month. There is a very short video doing an overview of what's new or, or what's cool right now this month in mm -hmm. AWS, GCP and Azure. The, those are very interesting to watch. And my other, like right now I'm doing a few courses on Plural site. They host, particularly for Google, they host Google's courses and mm -hmm. they are paired with labs there, which are linked to each module. So you have a few videos and then you do a lab. That's, I find it very interesting and very nice to kind of practice the skill that you just learned. And then you kind of do a recap and they explain everything very well. And do you think certifications are, are necessary to, to make the, the transition or, or not? I don't, I didn't have any and I don't, still don't have any. Certifications in, I think, I find in the industry are quite a disputable thing. Yeah. A lot of people say that, oh, it, if you have all of the certifications, it doesn't mean that you're a good, good yeah. engineer. It's potentially more about experience, right? Yes. And just like really about you being an engineer, no matter what you work with, you could be an electrical engineer and still be able to transfer the skills into any kind of domain. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, the courses are very good and it's a good way to have a good basis 
mm. of everything in the cloud because like I because I started working with cloud in production and everything and so I learned gradually the things that I needed for my day-to-day -day job yeah I sometimes find that I'm lacking the basis that fun that fundamental layer so that's why I'm doing the courses now yeah to, to have the fundamental layer moving on slightly then obviously we've we're kind of on the tail end of it now but we've just been through like a, a, a global pandemic and how would you say this has kind of impacted the role of the the DevOps function? I honestly don't think it's been impacted that much mm -hmm. obviously we're as important as ever because everybody is now working remotely and more so the the teams that are responsible for end user like our laptops our networks vpn and all that the, that enables people enables employees to work and do their job but for us i feel like we've always been working with servers that are somewhere out there whether it's a data center it can be in singapore or mm. it's a cloud and like okay you it's somewhere there next to London you don't even know where they are yeah. so for us where we work from doesn't really change much we've learned to collaborate mm -hmm. better remotely so like slack is a savior but yeah I, I, I don't feel like our role has changed much apart from obviously we, we still need to keep the infrastructure up and run up and running so moving moving past the the pandemic then do you think that DevOps teams and businesses will kind of have more say in like how how businesses are, are operating and, and things like that because obviously the how businesses run is going to continue to change I guess a lot of us will continue to work remotely and and yeah do you think like this will impact the teams in I guess how you communicate and how you keep the the DevOps team culture and things like that on a remote working basis? Oh, culture is a big thing, actually. You, we do need to find ways to keep the culture up. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are companies that have been remote forever, like yeah. HashiCorp are fully remote. So I guess we have lessons to learn from them. And we always hope that we will have more say. Yeah. The beginning of times, because it's uh, we're, we're very important. I mean, if we mess up or there's not enough resources and something happens with the infrastructure, the business suffers greatly. So we always hope that we will have a lot, a lot of say. There has been a few like the trends that are going on on around security, and maybe because we're a little bit less busy with all of the life things and commute and people right. and troubles of everyday life that are pre-pandemic. Maybe there is a little bit more space to pay attention to those kind of globally not ignored, but overlooked issues like yeah. let's focus on making this secure let's focus on taking care of your engineers and making sure that they are well and rested and happy and they build good infrastructure for your services to run smoothly to generate money for you so that everyone is happy uh, my final question then what kind of trends in devops are you seeing at the moment that you're excited about and what are you kind of hoping to see in the future one trend that so i like this question is very exciting. <laughs> One trend that I find interesting and kind of promising and exciting is the trend of live data processing. And it's not obvious how is that directly related to DevOps, but the, the, the idea is that everything will become more data fo focused and everything has to become more uh, data focused. And we must learn to, to implement platforms that do 
kind of real-time data process so that we can do our jobs better so that we can make data-driven decisions, the business can make data-driven decisions. And it's something that we still have a lot of work to do as, as, as an industry. I've worked in, at Babylon a lot with our data tribe building the data platform. And what I noticed is the difference of communication and even the language that we use is so huge. And it made me think that we've spent what about 10, 15 ish years trying to bridge the gap between software developers and systems engineers, mm. hence the whole DevOps industry. Yeah. And we've kind of succeeded to, to an extent. We can now collaborate and understand each other and be on the same wave and even the culture of SRE and having an SRE person in each development team. That's all good. Now we need to do the same with data engineers. Yeah. So that's the next uh, yeah. big thing that I'm seeing that we will have to embrace and make, make it happen.